suppose every person who gets up here to do this has to, they have to know themselves. You know, you have to know what your part is. What is, what is it that you do? All right. I talk to people when I'm teaching them uh, about how to preach. You have to understand where you fit. You know, what, what is it that you are given to accomplish? When I was about a little bit older than you are, um, and Lord was speaking to me about what my life was going to be, he gave me this thought, and it has been the one which has dominated my, my thinking all the way since then. It says, come, let's reason together, says the Lord. Come, let's reason together, says the Lord. There are different ways you can approach preaching but, uh, and teaching, but my uh, thought is this, that we, we need to think about this together because it's my great burden about uh, Christianity, particularly in the United States. It's so common. It's getting under pressure, I realize now, but it's so common that we get used to hearing the messages. And uh, again, I grew up in the church. I know what it's like. You hear the message, you say amen, and you go home. And then you go back to life. You just go back to life. And and you never let it sink in. You never let it uh, brew in your heart. And, and, and since it doesn't brew in your heart, you never actually adjust to it. Oh, maybe in the general way, but it was real general for me. I'm just talking about me. So um, now last night we heard, um, we, we heard the first part of that psalm. Okay, what was the first line? Let's see, you were supposed to memorize it. Yes, let's see. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk, all right, in what? A council, council, does that make you, you ever got that word? Council of, okay, I kind of think you got it. <laughs> I heard the word somewhere, all right? You didn't, what is the council of the ungodly? All right, we saw what the result of it was last night, but what's the council of the ungodly? It's just all the, it's all the advice that you're getting out there on how to live. Where's it come from? Now, this is where, if we're going to reason together, you got to talk. Right? You got to talk. You know, I can't. It's lecturing if you don't talk. It's reasoning if we think about it together. So, where do you run into the counsel of the ungodly? That's again, or counsel of the wicked, whatever your translation says. Where do you run into it? What is it? It's kind of like this, uh, I used to joke them about there, we teach on spiritual warfare, and you know, you tell them all the principles of spiritual, but sometimes I think it's kind of like uh, a man who's taught how to shoot a, you got, how to, to shoot a, a uh, missile at a, a tank, all right? And you got this anti-tank weapon, and you're in the field, and the tank rolls up, and you don't shoot, and you don't shoot, and you don't shoot, and you get rolled over by the tank. You say, why didn't you shoot? Why? I'm looking for tanks. That was a tank. All right? See, if you don't know what the tank is, then you don't know what uh, you're shooting at. Sometimes we, we, we have pieces of Christianity. We don't fit them all together. What is the counsel of the ungodly? I'm not going to get you to talk at all, am I? Well, where did you pick it up? out there might be your best friend might be your parents oh i'm not suggesting that again i'm not trying to undercut them but i'm just saying um it could be your friends it could be your teachers at school 
Um, it could be the people you're talking to on the internet, right? Well, it says is that people who are not trying to live for God have a way they do live, right? Everybody has a way they live, don't they? I mean, otherwise you sit around like a bump and then they put you in a special institution, right? You've got, you've got to live. You've got, there's a reason you got up this morning. There's a reason why everybody gets up in the morning. There's something they're after during the day, and that is the way they think. When they tell you what they think, if they don't know God, if they are not teaching you what God said, that's the counsel of the ungodly. Now, that's important for us to think about because what, we're going to get to it tonight, I'm sure. What's the opposite of that? We have to have a standard by which we go. I mean, if you're not going to listen to that, what are you going to listen to? All right? Well, the opposite end of that, I want to just say, make this clear so you, you understand me. You have to understand me, you know. The opposite end of that is the Scripture. That's the Bible. That's what you got right in front of you. That's your only other option. Or you can listen to God, but how are you going to listen to God? Lots of people say that God said this or this or this, but how do I know what God said? I know what God said through His Word. And that becomes real fundamental to my whole way of thinking. Now, there is, how about this? I know, I know you're real interested in philosophy, but anyway, the, the modern philosophy, the one that is dominating the world right at the moment, particularly the American world, we'll think about that, is called postmodernism, and that's as far as I'm going to go with the definition. That's what it's called. But postmodernism touches you even though you don't probably ever study it. And here's what it says. In the past, it said that people looked for truth, they tried to figure out what was true, and then they used words to tell you what they had found. They described truth, all right? Postmodernist says there is no truth. We don't use words to describe truth. We use words to create truth. Isn't that interesting? Postmodernist wants to be God. How did God work? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? How did he do it? You got to talk. You know that. He spoke. He spoke, right? And he said, let there be light, and there was light. Postmodern, actually, that's the, the philosophy. You can be whatever you want to be if you'll just tell yourself that. Now, I've, I've been in my lifetime to some of those self-help Sessions where they tell you this. What do you want to be? I want to be wealthy. Okay? Write that down. In five years, I want to be wealthy. I want to own this kind of a house. I want this is what they tell you, okay? That you put that up on your mirror in the morning, and every morning you say, I am wealthy. I am wealthy. I have a great car. I have a I'm this dup a dup a dup a dup. And if I keep this up. Now, this is what they'll teach you. I'm telling you, this is the counsel of the ungodly. If you keep it up, it will happen. Um, baloney. <laughs> right? We'll just politely say that. But you're touched by that. You could, you've watched all kinds of movies, if you've watched them in your life, which tell you that you could be anything you choose to be, right? Uh, bad news. You can't. All right? There is objective reality, and that's what the Bible's all about. This is objective reality. This is, God was good enough to tell us what is actually so. You don't have to find it out. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to listen to what he has to say. And if you listen to it, 
you can be blessed. If you don't, you won't. Now, let me tell you something about the Word here. Again, let me just tell you what I found out about the Word. I've been studying it for 50-some years, so I um, found out a few things. The Bible tells us one of the great realities, and this is, this is always on my mind whenever we get together, is this, that all of history is moving towards a given, already prescribed end. There is an end already established. It will get there. God is in control. And on that day, all right, there's a lot of different ways. I'm not going to try to describe the whole thing. I'm not giving you a course on eschatology and all the rest of it. But here's what the essence of it is. Jesus Christ will be glorified. And the rest are all of mankind, everybody that's here, everybody that's in front of me will be there on that day in one sense. Again, this is putting a lot of things, this is not sorting out everything. Because you are an eternal being. You already have eternal existence. You may or may not have eternal life. That is a good existence. But at that particular day, and it's, it's an appointed day, every person appears before God, and he separates them into those that he approves of and those that he doesn't approve of and fixes for eternity a state. Every time I get up to speak, I'm aware of that. Now, what's happening today? Well, what's happening today is God, by his spirit, he's taking his word, and he's trying to appeal to people to adjust to this word so that they'll be ready for that day. Now, you have to be ready for that day. Last week, we had an event again. Um, took place in the world, all right? Almost everybody has heard about it, I'm sure. There was an expedition in a submarine to go down to visit the Titanic, all right? The Titanic is two and one-half miles, 12,500 12, feet under the surface of the water. Two and a half miles. It's a mile out to the uh, highway out there. So you have to go another one of those and then another half of one of those. And that's just water over top of you. That's a lot of water. And so they took this submarine down there. Now, there's a problem with that. (laughs) I'll tell you there's a problem. Um, Right now, you are sitting in this room. Anybody happen to know? Let's see if we can get anybody to talk on this one. Um, From your classes in science. How much pressure is on you today? Atmospheric pressure, what is it? Anybody happen to know it? It's 15 pounds per square, square inch, not per square foot, per square inch. Every square inch of your body has 15 pounds of pressure pushing on it. It's pushing from both sides so you don't fall over. So you're, it is, it's, it's consistent all around you. All right, a human being can get in water and because as you go deeper and deeper in water, all that Water on top of you creates pressure, 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 pressure. A human being can dive to about 400 feet and survive. Right? It's possible. You go much more than that, what happens? Well, I won't go into all that happens, but you don't make it back. All right? you, your body stops working because it can't, it's not built for the pressure, and your blood starts doing funny things, and anyway, you're in trouble. You're in deep, deep trouble. But you're only 400 feet deep. Um, they were going down to 12,500 feet. 
again. I don't know if anybody's curious to have looked up. What is the pressure that was on that vehicle at 12,500 feet? What do you think? Nobody wants to think. Nobody wants to come out in the open. I'm going to, we'll get you out there sooner or later. Okay. Well, here's what it is. 6,000 pounds per square inch. 6,000 pounds on every square inch of that thing. That's like having two cars sitting on every square inch of your body. That would hurt. <laughs> that's, that's a serious problem. Now, again, I don't want to make light of it because those guys didn't make it. You know why they didn't make it? Because the guy thought the vehicle was good enough to go down to that depth, and it wasn't. It got pretty close. got pretty close. But something went wrong. Something wasn't strong enough to withstand that kind of pressure. And the thing imploded. Um, for their sake, I mean, just, um, they wouldn't have known what happened. I mean, it would have happened so, it wouldn't have been like one of those movies where you see a leak. All the, if that thing started to go at 6,000 pounds of pressure per square inch, um, it, would have, it would have been over in a heartbeat. They would have never known what hit them. It just, they would have been alive and then they would have been gone. That's it. Now, why do you tell a nasty story like that? Here's the problem with that. The man who was the cap or who built this thing was on that boat. He was on it because he thought it was sufficient. Now, I'm going on information that has not been fully confirmed, so I'm, I'm just saying this is the way it's, it's, it's playing out. He had engineers on his team that told him it was not sufficient. This is not a safe vehicle to take down there. It won't hold up in the long term. You know what he did with them? He fired them. And then he met reality. Ooh. Now, I'll, it's a bad illustration because it's, it's so, you know, you don't want to beat up on people, but hey, he isn't going to be able to go back and rework that and say, well, you know, I really should have listened to that guy. Maybe we'll build another one, right? He isn't going to build another one because his failure to face reality led to a place where he was gone. That's serious. (laughs) Now, the Word of God tells us what reality is, right? That's why we want to think about it, because we don't want to be like him. Oh, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> pretty good is not going to make it. All right? You, and, and it's all said, right? We have every, everything we need to know right there. Now, we're going to be thinking about a subject, <clears throat> a subject, um, and I know this might sound like it's completely separate from this, but I'm going to think about what it means to rejoice in the Lord. That's what we're going to think about for the next two days. Now, today, what we're going to think about is uh, just what joy is all about. We're going to think about it all right, and, and try to reason about it because we can say what it is. I'm pretty sure that most everybody in this room has been to church enough times you've heard messages on rejoicing. Right? The question is, are we thought about it? 
Are we going to make the, the step? Now, rejoicing will not get you into heaven. We're not saying any of that. But one of the features of, of a life of joy, when Jesus comes, came, he said, this is the reason I came, that people, the ones that he calls sheep, would have life. Right? And that's not just eternal life. That's not just a life after you die. That is a quality of life because he says, and they might have it abundantly. I wonder if this morning you believe the Lord was telling the truth on that. That's an important question. Or we could put it this way. Do you experience abundant life? That's, that's another way to put it. And just, I mean, you see, when you come to the Word of God, this is truth. And we're thinking about this this way because the most important factor in dealing with truth is honesty. I just want to tell you that. If I can get a person to be honest with God, that's as much as I can do. From then on, it's between you and God. So when we're thinking about this, do I experience abundant life? And part of that abundant life is joy. Jesus said that he said these things, this is... He's speaking about particular parts of it, but he said, I see, I'm telling you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete or full or in just reaching the fullest extent. That's what he wants to do. That question that comes for us is, is that happening? And so we want to think about that. All right. So that's where we're going to go. Now you're going to think with me, right? If we're going to talk about rejoicing and we're going to talk about joy, we first of all have to figure out what joy is, right? What joy is. Now, I know I've I've been in Christian circles for a long time, so I know a lot of the messages on this. Uh, Has anybody heard the testimony of the Oklahoma softball team, the women's softball team that won the national championship. Did anybody hear that? Okay. Um, It's tremendous. Because the coach, and I don't know how she got away with it, but the coach is a Christian. And she was teaching. She discipled her team. And they got up to give testimony about their victory. And I think that, I don't know, they, they've been winning forever, all right? They just, they've had, I think it's like three years. Of, I don't know what it is. I don't know. But it's a long time, a perfect record, all right? And these, these young women got up to testify about what they were going through, and they, they had this to say, winning is great, but my joy is in Jesus Christ. How about that? This is on, on television. This is, on, this is ESPN. I think it was ESPN. I'm sure that ESPN covers everything. So anyway, that's where it is. And then they said this, and it's important because it's often said, happiness occurs because of things that take place. Joy comes from the Lord, all right? And so they make a distinction between happiness and joy, all right? Now, a question comes, and again, they are correct. There is a difference between the happiness this world knows and the joy which God could give. All right? I want to make that absolutely clear. But if we go that direction too long, we end up out of sync with the Bible. All right? What am I saying on that? Um, let me just ask you this question. 
you know, happiness and joy, all right? If happiness is just on the circumstance and joy is something God gives, suppose today while you are doing the games, you end up going down to the creek back here, okay? You know, I don't know if you're supposed to be there. Anyway, if you do the obstacle course, you end up near the creek, all right? My kids, I live on the other side of that creek, and when my kids were little, I had one son that dug all kinds. I think it was the garbage dump for somebody's. But anyway, he dug all kinds of bottles and trash out of that creek, all right? Suppose you went down there, and you look down the creek, and you see this little, there's a container, just an old-timey container that's stuck in there. And you, you, you grab that container, and you flip that baby open, it is filled with gold coins. Huh. <laughs> and you look around and you get the now when you opened that up and saw those gold coins, was that happiness or was that joy? Because I'm assuming that you didn't say, Oh, yuck, gold. I hate gold. <laughs> Throw that back. All right. So we're gonna assume that you you came to the conclusion, this is a good thing. I have I found something which is pleasant to me. Is that pleasantness joy or is it happiness? Okay, we're going to go with happiness. How many for happiness? How many for joy? Okay. Let's go to another story. Okay. How many of you have a pet? Okay. A pet. Um, how many have a pet that's big enough to get away from you? All right, it's not in a fishbowl or something like that. You know, it's, it's a pet that you get away from. Okay, um, the Braziers have a, a little dog, and it, um, that little dog used to have this habit of every time it got out of the house, if there was a way, it would get out of the, that thing would take off. It just wanted to go. And then they would spend hours trying to recover this dog. All right, and, and, and it's still around, so it, it made it back. All right, so the, 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 uh, the little puppy, well, whatever, I don't even know what kind it is, it's just little, that's all I know about it, and it's fast, all right, so it's out there, and it's lost, and you, this is your pet, and you find it, when you find it, if you're happy about finding it, after you get done with the irritation that it ran away, but you're happy that you found it, is that joy, or is that happiness? Anybody for happiness? Anybody for joy? Okay. Let me get a, th- a third story. Okay. You're in the dumps, all right? You ever been in the dumps? All right? Down in the dumps. Things are not going well. Serious problems have occurred. You're all by yourself, and you're kind of lonely about the whole thing, and then you hear a knock on the door, and a friend comes. All right? A friend comes and starts to comfort you encourage you and you feel better is that happiness or is that joy okay nobody one there's one for joy anyway anybody for happiness anybody for joy so the question comes to me in all those how did you make that distinction what distinguished a good feeling which made you happy from a good feeling which made you joyous. This is where we reason together. Yeah. 
Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Right. Okay. 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 So we got two opposing opinions right there sitting beside each other. Don't, don't get in a fight. All right. Is this, is this, uh, all right. Anybody else want to chime in on it? See, if we don't have a definition, because the question is, is it different? Or is it not different? Because if we don't have a definition for joy, how do you know whether you're rejoicing? You know, and what's that going to mean to rejoice? Okay. 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 You're given a definition, and that that would separate them in your mind. You separate these things are superfluous, or they're not necessary. And joy is something I have to have. Is that is that? Am I getting that right? Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, here's the point. In the Bible, there's no difference in the word. There's a story about a man. This is a parable. You remember the parable? Guy's out in the field, and he digs up, and he finds a treasure in this field. He looks around and says, hey, put that back in the ground. <laughs> Cover this up. He runs to town and buys the field. Because of the joy of finding that treasure. So we would call that happiness because that seems to be in that category. But the biblical word for it is, I mean, that's what the word used is the same word when Jesus said, I want you to have my joy. This is the same word over here. He doesn't make a distinction. Uh, When it tells us about the sheep that was lost, all right, the lost sheep, and then the shepherd goes and finds it. When he finds it, it says he rejoices. It doesn't use the word joy, but rejoicing is just expressing joy. Right? That's all it is. So that when, um, I'm a sports fan. You got a sports fan? When I was 10 years old, okay, I'm 10 years old. I'm from Pittsburgh. And when I was in Pittsburgh at 10 years of age, being a fan of our sports teams was a real commitment because they never won, all right? Now, later on, the Steelers would do better, but when I was there, the Steelers were dirt. They were the B-League of the... Of the they were the old players went to, to retire in Pittsburgh, you know. And it, so anyway, in 1960, the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series, and of all things, they beat the New York Yankees. The Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Whitey Ford, Yankees, all right? And it happened in seven games. It was the ninth, it was, it was the ninth or the tenth, it was, it was late in the game, in a 9-9 game, which had gone backwards and forwards, I'm on a bus, trying to get home to see it, because they played them in the middle of the afternoon. And we listened to them on... So one guy had his transistor radio. That's a little tiny radio we used to have. And he had this little tiny... He's got his earplug in there, and how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? And he says, uh, it's going, it's going, it's going, it's going! It's a home run! Roger, or uh, Bill Mazeroski hit a home run. 
in the tenth inning, I think it was the tenth inning, it might have been the ninth inning, but it was the last inning, it was a, it was a walk-off homer, and Pittsburgh had won a championship. <laughs> I was happy. That was joy. I jumped up and down and screamed. That's rejoicing, all right? See, you got the idea that rejoicing is an expression of joy. So when it says that when that man found that sheep and he rejoiced, that's because he was actually, the two are related. He's expressing the fact that he's happy, all right? Does that make sense? And then, of course, Paul is in prison. That's where the last story comes in. Paul's in prison, and he's facing death. He's facing death. And uh, he knows he's going to go through it. And he knows his ministry's over. And he said, Timothy, I want you to get to me. Because if you came and I saw you, I would be filled with joy. It would just be a great thing to me. If I saw your face again before I go. Okay, so all those stories. The word there is never happiness, it's joy. We could go into a lot of other places where the two... The Bible doesn't make that distinction, right? Now, there is a distinction between the kind of joy that God gives us and the kind of joy we have over here. I admit that. There is a distinction. But it's not in in type. And once we make a distinction between happiness and, and joy, we run into a vocabulary problem. Because then we've got to decide what's the difference because happiness is just something that happens to makes me feel good. Well, what is joy then? Well, joy is something that you have happened to you that makes you feel good. It's the same thing. See, God wants you to have an experience of rejoicing. Okay, now we're going to use for just a moment because we're going to, we're going to do a little exercise because we've got to figure out where we're at on all this, all right? Because here's the will of God for you. This is what it says. Rejoice always. That's the will of God for you. You want to know what the will of God for your life is? Rejoice always. Hmm. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says in Philippians. We're going to go over that tomorrow, but that's, that's we'll get to what, what's all going to, we're going to do about all this. But before we can go there, we have to ask ourselves questions about this whole matter of happiness. Now, I'm going to go to happiness because it was... It was anathema. They, they threw it out. There was a, um, George Mueller talked about his spiritual life, and he said, this is what I try to do in my quiet time. I get up in the morning, and I go, and I read the Word until I'm happy in the Lord. And everybody goes, oh, no, no, he didn't mean that. Well, he did mean that. He was happy in the Lord. He wanted to be happy, all right? Every person in this room wants to be happy, all right? There's no, there's no difference. There's no. So if I had the opportunity, if you were in a classroom, and I tried to figure out how I could do this, but I couldn't get there, okay? But if you got a piece of paper, I'm going to give you about two minutes. How about that? Investigate your life. What do you think? I mean, and here we're going to go to that honest-to-God thing. <laughs> um, not the right Sunday school answer. Where are you at? If you had to write down right now on a piece of paper, what would it take to make me happy? If you're not, again, what would it take for me to have a happy life? What would it take for me to have the experience that the fairy tale says? You remember? 
happily ever after. Right? What will it take? What are you looking for? What would you put down on that piece of paper? Honestly. Because you are looking for that. Now, I don't have time to wait for you. <laughs> See, did you get it done? No, you didn't because you didn't have time to think. But I'm going to leave that with you kind of over the night because we're going to talk about it again tomorrow. This is one of those, uh, this is the first half of the message uh, where we just go over the preliminaries and def- definitions and all the rest of it. Tomorrow we actually do the message. So, But I, but I want you to think. What would it take? Now, the first thing that would come on that list for most people, I'm just talking about the average person, they will somewhere on that list include money. If I had enough money, I could be happy. All right. Okay. Now, that that may or may not be true. Okay, let's just have a little... Let's think about this for just a moment. I'm going to have a lottery. In, not a lottery. You don't have to pay any money. This is, this is fictitious. Just get that part. Let me, this is fictitious, all right? So um, we're going to have a lottery, and um, you're the only group in it. And one of you is going to win. I'm going to draw your names out of a hat, and one of you will win. And when you win, you will win. One billion dollars in cash, tax-free. Tax-free. It's going to be delivered right here. All right? Who wants to be the winner? I mean, who, who okay, okay, you want to be the winner? Okay, what your name? Uh, Hayden. Hayden. Okay, Hayden's going to win. He got up there fast, so he's going to win. Hayden? All right? I, I pull his name out, and Hayden, is, he's got it, and there it is. Yeah, okay, he's, he's, he's won, and he's happy, right? Okay, now, up drives three armed, you know, those armed vehicles. Who, who does that now? Brinks used to do it. Does Brinks still do it? Anyway, whoever it is that runs those armored cars, because they're delivering a billion dollars in cash to hate. All right, and we're going to assume that you can fit about a million dollars into a knapsack or a Backpack, right? We used to call them knapsacks anyway. Uh, Into a backpack, okay? How many backpacks with a million dollars in it does it take to get to a billion? How many? A thousand of them. Those trucks are going to deliver 1,000 backpacks, each containing a million dollars in cash. All right, and here they come. And they're delivering them in here, okay? Is Hayden still happy? All right. Now, I don't know. Where do you live, Hayden? Uh, Taylor's. Taylor's, okay. Well, you don't have very far to go. All right? You've got to get all that home. All right? Now, what would happen next? Okay, we've got a stack of back backpacks back there. They got a million dollars in. And everybody says, good for Hayden. We're all leaving, right? Hayden probably would have help moving those. 
right? Do you think it's possible that we could go and help him load that into whatever he's going to load it into, a dump truck or something, and to get it out of here and not have anybody say, you know what, that's a thousand, Hayden. You don't need a thousand of these. Can't I just have one? That is one-tenth of a percent, right? Of, of, but then, you know, if he hands it to you, what happens next? <laughs> Somebody else say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Hayden. There's, a, there's 60 of us in here. I don't know what there are, 50, 60 of us in here. 60 isn't going to hurt you. Come on. So now he's got to determine that. And you know what happens next? Hayden, I'm your best friend. Are you his best friend? Whoever's his best friend. You gave to people you don't even know a million dollars. And I've known you all my life. See, Hayden's happiness is really starting to deteriorate. All right? Let me tell you how also it would deteriorate, because we have to get down to real practicalities on, on this whole matter of money and the rest of it. Our neighbors would have seen, you imagine what would, what would you think if you saw three armored vehicles driving up to somebody's house in a row and emptying? Do you think that would create a stir on Parker Road? It would. <laughs> it would. How long do you think it would take before this whole region and maybe all of Greenville knew that Aiden has a lot of money or a lot of something, which we'd like. See, now he's in this place where he's got to defend that, right? you got to defend it. <laughs> I wouldn't. Can you imagine having a billion dollars in your house? If anybody found out, what's your life expectancy? All right? I mean, it's a cruel world, right? Now, I'm only, again, this is kind of funny, but it's not really funny. It's not really funny. Because that's the problem with, with the things there. But, again, aside from that, that's why people who win lotteries don't win. This is what happens to them. Because if you suddenly had a billion dollars and you don't know that is this at that point in your life, and you had that kind of money, it came into it fast, you would never know whether anybody was your friend again. You would never know who liked you and who liked your money. And if you guessed money, you would probably be right 90% of the time. But you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know in any relationship whether they really cared about you or just were in here to milk you for what you, they could get out of your money. Anyway, point being, why do we want money? It isn't, again, just think about it. If you had a million dollars sitting there and you got all this, you don't, you know what you can do, feel it? I mean, just uh, smell it. Money doesn't smell all that good. Why do you want it, right? You want that because of something else. You want that because it can get you to somewhere else. Right? That's what you have to stop th- start to think about. It's not the money itself that you're after. It's what can that money do. All right? So as you're asking yourself, what would it take to make you happy? The money doesn't make you happy. It's what you do with the money that makes you happy. Now, when I was in your age, I'm, I'm in high school. This is a long time ago. 
what I would have done if I got, I can tell you exactly what the first thing I would have done with that would have been. The first thing I would do is invest in a muscle car, all right? I'm from the muscle car days, all right? Maybe a Chevelle 396. Maybe I put a 427 in it and really go into the trees. <laughs> but anyway, I'd have had one. I mean, I would have had it right now. I had a friend who had one that, again, he had a, uh, his was a, a firebird. All right, and I had another guy that had to, anyway, he could burn rubber for about 300 yards. You could only do it once or twice, and then you got a new set of tires, but you could do it. I mean, and we go, whoa, that's what I would have had. All right, would I have been happy? For a while. Why? Why would it only have been for a while? Well, I'm, I'm 73 years old. Would I still be happy with my muscle car? It'd be a ton of, it'd be a pile of rust by now, all right? It wouldn't have been worth anything. See, the, the part of this whole happiness thing is you've got you to ask questions about treasures because wherever your happiness, whatever you think is the, the happiness, that's where you're going to put your effort and you're going to try to assemble the things necessary so that you'll continue to be happy. Jesus calls that laying up treasure, right? And what's he tell you to do about that? Boy, you're really not going to tell me anything, are you? Uh, here's what he says. <clears throat> lay up, don't lay up treasures on, on earth. And why don't you do it? What does he say happens to the treasures you have on this earth? Okay. They rust and thieves come take them. Moth and rust corrupt it. That's what would have happened to my, my muscle car. It would have, by this point, because I was in Florida, and I would have driven it to the beach, and I would have gotten salt on it, and by now it would have been nuts and bolts. that could, Anyway, yeah, I couldn't have maintained it. Or I could have maintained it and spent my whole life trying to maintain it, right? Moth and rust corrupt. And what's the other side? That's what we had with the, the money. If you had that much money sitting in your house, I can get guaranteed. The news would get out, and somebody's going to come and help you uh, deal with it. All right? These break through and steal. In other words, there's nothing you can really hang on to. There is nothing you can hang on to. Nothing. Nothing. You know that, that philosophy we had at the beginning that says you can be anything you want? You know how I know that's not true? How do you think that I know that that's not true? How would you know that they're, they're telling you a lie? Maybe I'm... This is, maybe I'm morbid in my thinking. They're all dying. Why would any of them get to my age if you could be whatever you wanted to be? And I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. All right? It's just it's the way life goes. I used to play volleyball, and I loved it. I don't. Things break. All right? A volleyball game could cost me a year of pain, so I'm not going to do it. All right? I can't do what I used to do physically. If I had a choice, my body wouldn't be this old. All right? I don't have any choice. All right? You have to live out life. That's reality. I have to face reality. But I wouldn't go there. If they, how, why would people be dying? 
instead of pretending to be a duck, why not pretend to be young forever? You know, if you're going to define yourself, I'm going to make it. Why not choose something worthwhile? The reason they don't choose what's worthwhile is because they know it doesn't work. And they can just convince themselves on the other side. All right? Here's the, here's the fact. that The things that... You, know, you have to ask yourself, though, what do you think would make you happy? All right? Because it gets down to, to much more serious matters. See, for a lot of people... Why would I want to have a muscle car when I was in high school. It wasn't just so I could go fast. Because I really don't like to drive fast. What do you think? Pardon? Yeah. And which means that people like you. I wasn't in that, that inner circle of uh, the great... There were 3,000 kids in my school. 3,000 of them. And I was not one of the inside, right, of that group. But I can guarantee you, if I can... And park right here, I would immediately be inside. See, I would gain acceptance. And when I was in high school, acceptance was a big deal to me. You know, what do people think of you? Now, again, I don't know what you think. I don't, I'm, I'm 50 years removed from that world. 60 or 70. Uh, I don't know what it is. I'm a long time removed. I can't even see. I'm, I'm so old, I can't even figure it out. All right? So I don't know what you go through, but I got a feeling that uh, acceptance is still a big deal. You see, I wanted this because I wanted that. I wanted this because I, I could have other things. Now, what you need to do, we're going to stop here. I want you to think through what you actually believe would make you happy. Because that's real important. Because that's going to shape your life if you don't. You've got to aim correctly. God offers you life. And, and one of the big problems with having real joy is that we are already in the pursuit of it somewhere else. And so we ignore what the Lord says. You can have a continuous experience of joy. That's his promise. Just like you can have, we could go on, you could have a, a continuous experience of peace. You can have that. And that answers the two great problems of the human race. What are they? Dissatisfaction and fear. That's, that's, what, that's what, what ruins life. Dissatisfaction, I don't have everything I need. And fear, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of getting old. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of all. Again, afraid of being rejected. Afraid of, again, God, he's offering you this. But before you can grab it, you have to face honestly what it is that you're actually looking for and where the deficiency for that is. So I want you to think about that tonight. What would it take in your mind, in your actual mind, the way you actually think, what do you think it will take to make you happy? I want to finish with that because, <clears throat> you know, the, the majority, I mean, I've listened to prayers for a long time. I think in, in Christianity overall, the majority of the praying is that God will give to us the things that we think we need to be happy. That's what we pray for. You know, 
want you to ask this question also. If God today gave you everything was on your list, would your happiness continue? Would you be happy? <clears throat> happy? Would you live happily ever after? See, God says rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean? In order to understand that, we have to understand this whole process. Okay? So that's a half a message. That doesn't get you anywhere, does it? That gets us thinking about where we really are. Because before we can hold things, we have to face the reality of where we are. Before I could become a Christian, I had to face the fact that I was in deep trouble with God. With respect to that day. That's what we heard last night, right? There's a day coming when I'll appear before him, and I was not ready for that day. And I had to admit that I not only had sin, but there was nothing else going to ever come out of me. All my decisions to do better had failed. And I had to lay home. I had to be honest with myself, which was very hard for a proud individual to admit that with regards to God, there was nothing I could do to please him because I was just, if, if it counts, what I think counts as well as what I do, I'm sunk and I'm always going to be sunk. That was a wonderful day. Why? Because that's exactly where it was anyway. And that's what the Bible's all about, reality. And then what could he do the next day? It was about the because it was just about the next day. He told me about a father who wanted his son to come home. Who overlooked the wrongness of that boy. And embraced him. That's also reality. But I can't see that reality while I'm still trying to convince myself that this is a great life out here with the pigs. And that I will one day get on top of this and I will go home and show them what a great man I, I actually am. I had to come to reality. So I want you to go home and I, I, not go home. Don't go home. Don't stay right here. I mean, not in this room, but stay right in the place. Think it through. What do you really think? And then tomorrow we'll talk about what it means to rejoice in the Lord. What does he say? Okay, well, let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask you to work in our hearts. Father, bring us to reality. We come and ask you to reveal ourselves to us this week. We thank you for your healing work. We thank you for your delivering work. We thank you for the life that you want to give to each person in this room the experience that's potential for them, not only in this life, but in the one to come. But Father, we're coming and asking you to meet us for your praise and glory, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.